This is Daniel Self, lead pastor of the Orchard Church, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Afterwards, if you would like and subscribe, or if you want more information on The Orchard or to support this ministry, find us at theorchardlife.com. Now know that we are praying for you today, that God would speak to you, and you would have a breakthrough. Well, good morning. We are so glad you are joining us, whether you are here in the house and braved the snow here in Carbondale in the area, or whether you are online and braved... uh, battling through the notifications to get to your Facebook live streaming. We are glad you're here. I'm so glad to join with you. If you missed last week, I would say that's one to go back and listen to. Um, we talk about how to make decisions for the coming year, and we have a lot of resolutions, those kinds of things. But how do you plot your year that God would bring you transformation and step into that? And t- today's kind of a part two in that in some ways. And I want to just comment on the song, and if you're just listening to the sermon, you didn't hear the song, but it says, Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. Come fill this place. One of my prayers every week, when I look down and I see what I have to say, and I hear the music and what the band provided, is I know that there's nothing in here, and there's nothing up there that can truly change your life. That's why we pray that the Holy Spirit would speak to you, and that today you would have an encounter with the divine God of the universe, who placed you either in the house or has you listening somewhere else, and that he would speak to you, and you would leave this time different. I believe he has something for you. And so on the other side of some decisions you're probably making for the new year, there's something needed to step out into uncertainty, and it's called faith. We're going to talk about faith today. And faith is something that, you know, it might be important to church world, right? I mean, faith in church, it kind of goes together. You hear the word faith everywhere now. We're stepping out in faith or taking a leap of faith. But what is faith? Well, the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:1 1, that faith is confidence in what we hope for, and it's assurance about what we do not see. And a leap of faith within me, stepping out, stepping off, jumping into something without the assurance of the landing, but knowing you are assured that God is with you and hoping and knowing that he goes with you. For there to be a leap of faith, there has to be something else involved. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Risk. Now, some of you, if there was a bell curve, They have a whole science and study on this that I looked at. When it comes to risk, there are people who absolutely fundamentally are risk adverse and need counseling. And then there's people who are risk all in on risk and need counseling. And there's people who are in the middle who need counseling. But everybody deals with risk differently. And if I say we're going to take a risk, 20% of us would be like, let's go. 20% of us would be like, we'll see you later. And the rest of us would work through those emotions to decide then. We, all have, we are all somewhere on the spectrum of how we engage with risk. And with risk so- comes something. Uh, uncertainty. Where there is risk and where there is uncertainty, that's where faith can be present. But guess what? We as humans, there is something that we love and we crave more than most anything in the world. Certainty. We love certainty. Certainty gives us a feel of of control in our life. Uh, Certainty gives us a, a feeling in our finances or our relationships or with our kids. We crave our health. We crave certainty. I want to know that I'm going to be okay, that they're going to be okay, that things are going to be okay. I want to know what's coming and know what's happening. We love certainty. Certainty reduces the need for faith. Certainty reduces the risk. And so what we do often as humans, and this is normal, we create a lifestyle and a life to reduce the uncertainty in our lives. And when we do so, we unknowingly minimize the need for faith in some areas. 
Which leads me to a verse in Hebrews 11.6 that says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So not only is faith being sure of what we cannot see and, and what we hope for, but faith is part of what pleases God. And as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, or somebody who's checking out this whole church and God thing, faith is vital. Not just for your spiritual life and following God, but also faith is something in God's economy. Faith, it says it pleases God. And yet we do everything we can to minimize the need for faith because we love certainty. It's just how we are. I also want to talk about the difference between belief and faith. Belief is not faith. Has anybody in here been skydiving? Yeah, raise your hands. If you're risky enough to jump out of a plane, you can at least raise your hand that you did so. Okay, yeah. I have never jumped out of a perfectly good plane, but my wife has. And, and, and skydiving is one of those things where you can believe. Listen, listen, I, here's, what, here's the truth. I believe the parachute would catch me. I believe I would end up on the ground safely. But I ain't putting any faith in that parachute. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So there's a difference between believing it and then them opening the door and going, well, I have faith it's going to happen. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to exercise that faith. There's a certain amount of certainty that we're comfortable with. I'm comfortable with staying in planes. That's where my certainty is. So we have a difference between belief and faith. Belief takes zero risk oftentimes. Did you know you can have all the belief in the world and have no risk, no uncertainty, and therefore no faith? Belief doesn't require risk in faith. Belief can be an intellectual agreement. Listen to what uh, James says in uh, chapter 2, verses 19 about the belief in God. It says, you believe there's one God. Great, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Like, like belief is one thing, but we're talking about faith. Now, belief isn't, a be belief isn't a Jesus follower's badge of honor because faith can soar where belief refuses to even walk. And belief alone doesn't mean that you have trust. If I believe that I can, I can get on a plane and end up in a destination, that's one thing. But, but belief that has to carry me into faith and trust where I go to the airport, check my bag, get on the plane, look out the window, wait in the line, and, and have faith in the plane and the pilot to get me there, that's a different thing. And I fear that many of us, we would say we have a deep belief in God. But if we were honest and we looked at the evidence of our life, there wouldn't be much faith. Not much need for active faith in the place of uncertainty or risk. Unless your belief is put into action, trusting as you step out into uncertainty, then it remains a simple belief. And even, it says even the demons, they possess that same belief that there's a God. They believe. There's a question for you today, for your faith and your belief. When was the last time you stepped out into uncertainty with faith? When was the last time you spoke out with uncertainty? Talking to somebody about their belief or inviting someone to church or about God. When was the last time you spoke out with uncertainty, stepping into that place where it's nervous? When was the last time you stepped out trusting that God would go with you? When was the last time you spoke into, uh, in uncertainty and invited somebody? When was the last time you had spiritual adrenaline Spiritual adrenaline spiking through your veins because you were stepping out in faith into uncertainty. You were risking and stepping into that. Or do we merely have a belief in Jesus? And do we merely go through the motions and the practices that reinforce our belief? 
Are we, are we simply attending a church or are we actively following Jesus? Now, I don't know about a lot, any other pastors. For me, I want a church full of people who are actively following God. Not just saying that we're here and we're doing great things. That's why I've told you that the mark of success for the orchard is not numbers. The health mark for us, the litmus test for the orchard is not numbers. It is fresh stories of transformation. Evidence that God is moving. Evidence that we are stepping out in the unknown. Evidence that we are taking risk and feeling that spiritual adrenaline. Are we simply attending church or are we actively in faith, following Jesus in difficult places. For many of us, it's time to move beyond our simple belief in God and belief in Jesus into following and faithing. And the reason this is so hard, harder than we give it credit for, again, is because we have an intense desire in our humanity for certainty. We love certainty. What if I told you, and this is just an exercise, so what if I told you that you're going to leave this building, drive into town, find a, find a crowd, find somebody who looks like they need a prayer of healing, and then go to them and say, I'm going to pray that God would heal you. Is that okay? And then right there in public, pray that God would heal them. Now, I want you to put that on for a second and say, like, okay, I'm going to do that. How, do you, how would that strike you? Like for many of us, there would be a, a Daniel-sized hole in the back of that church as we exit here as fast as we can. Like we would hear the tires screeching on snow as we drive out, which is hard to get home and get away from this place. Like, like, like we don't, that, that is a huge step out. What if tonight in your bed, another exercise, you're laying there and you audibly hear God say, sell all your belongings and you and your loved ones move to a third world country and start a mission. Right now, if we prayed and it was obvious that God told me to take off this microphone and just pick one of you, to come up here and just preach whatever's on your mind. It could be you. It could be you. I can, already, I can see some of you guys going, oh God. I, it's just an exercise. I'm not going to do it. But I, the, the way that you're just even going, oh, like the thought of that. I mean, those, those exercises of what ifs and, and, and stepping out, I mean, those are over the top, right? For many of us, though, if we're honest, you know, we gave out gift cards all for the month of December, giving out gift cards to, to help people. And, and for some of us, we have to admit, even that was difficult. There was some, some um, whew, a little bit of a, a fear there and some spiritual adrenaline as we went to, to talk to a stranger and offer them a gift. You see, oftentimes, here's what I found, those little exercises we just did. The degree that something messes with me inside reveals the degree that I am uncomfortable with risk and uncertainty and stepping out in faith. If there's no places in my life where I'm having that degree of uncomfortableness and having to risk, I'm not having to, I'm not having to step out in faith. I have made everything so certain and sure that I can go throughout my life without exercising those things. So let's be honest. Going to someone else and opening up about our faith, telling them about God, or even praying over them, that's terrifying, even though it's biblical. We have no idea how they'll respond. There's uncertainty. Will they be angry? Will it be awkward? Well, how, I mean, how will it go? We have no idea. And for some of us, even inviting someone to come join us here in this place can be scary. We crave certainty. We crave certainty, and that eliminates the need for active faith. And if we're honest, many of us in our spiritual life with God are simply waiting for more certainty before we're acting in faith. 
we're, at, we're waiting for God to give us more certainty. We call it opening doors. Doors by nature open and close. Sometimes God wants you to bust through a door that's closed. Sometimes he wants you to, I, I mean, I'm not going to go into every circumstance. But sometimes when God asks us to step out in faith, we're simply waiting for him to make things more certain. When it wouldn't be stepping out in faith if it was certain, now would it? There are people he wants you to talk to. There are places he wants you to give with compassion. There are places he wants you to go with boldness. And there will not be certainty, but he will go with you. And it will require faith. And all those feelings we just talked about, when was the last time you felt those? When was the last time you felt that thrill of faith as you stepped out into something new? We need faith. We need risk to step out and speak up. You know, in Bible times and in some cultures here in the world, deciding to follow Jesus costs everything. There are people right now engaging with this online live who, who I, I've, I've spoken to online who right now, where they are, if it's found out that they are watching this or they believe what we're talking about, they and their family will be taken. That is a fact. We've talked to them. There are places in this world where, where if you step out and say, I'm going to believe in Jesus, your family would be no more. Everything would be taken from you. But today in America, we have shrunk down faith so that we can believe in Jesus. We can, do, we can do Jesus activity in a safe place. We can risk nothing and we can leave here and go live just like everybody else and not even stand out. That's the culture we live in. I'm not blaming anybody. That's, that's how we live. We have, a, we have a culture where we can shrink our faith down, safely have activity in here, risk nothing, go out there and not stand out and not risk and not have any uncertainty and not step out in faith. But I want to propose to you today that that is not what Jesus wants. That's not what Jesus called us to. Somebody called his people to back then when you read about Jesus and the gospel saying, come, follow me. It's going to be the safest, most comfortable thing you'll ever do. It's not what he did. And that's not what he does. And for many of us, he is waiting. He's calling. He's calling you out from a safe belief in Jesus into an active, thrilling, faith-filled life of uncertainty and trusting him. Some of you are terrified. You're like, I don't know. I kind of like the other one. <laughs> well, let me keep going. He calls us to a faith to step out into uncertainty. A faith that speaks out even though in our insecurity. A faith that prays boldly into impossibility. I, I had to cut out so much in this section in particular because there's so much here and we have to get to a lot. But I want to talk to you just to fly over really quickly of some church history and some themes because church throughout American history and culture has split in a few ways. Oftentimes, not all the time, but oftentimes in churches, especially in America and our Western society, we have two different cultures. We have a religious culture and a salvation culture. And religious culture of churches, it produces members. And salvation culture produces decided. Religion produces people who conform to act and speak and behave like the organization they're joining. That's what religion is. Man's attempt to get to God, and I'm signing up to be a member of something where I act, speak, and look like them. 
Salvation culture produces people who at some point walk an aisle, sign a card, raise their hand, make a decision to accept Jesus, and that's the end of it. They are the decided. And our churches are full of many members and many decided across our nation. But God has invited his people through his word into something far greater, far more glorious, but far riskier. He's not looking for members. He's not looking for decided you see, when Jesus invited people to follow him, it was a lot more of a quest, an adventure, a risk, an uncertainty than raising your hand or writing your name to become a member. You see, religious culture produces members. Salvation culture produces decided. But following Jesus produces disciples. And I cannot stress enough how different that is. Being a disciple is following someone to be like that someone. Being a disciple is following someone to be like that someone. Not learning what they know, not just conforming to how they dress or speak or vote or adjusting to how any of those things. Being a disciple is conforming in character to be more like that person and how I am inside. It, it, conform, it, it, it is transforming internally in my how I love, who I love, how I actively love them, and conforming and transforming to truth, to live my life based on the truth of the person that I'm following. It is truly becoming like the person in action and deed and giving and, and praying and how they are in faith and in boldness. N listen, not religious, not decided, but becoming a disciple is what Jesus has always called his people to. It's what he's calling me to. It's what he's calling you to. He doesn't want you to go to church and become a member and conform. He doesn't want you to go to church and just decide. He wants you to follow him and become more like him, period. As one author put it, he said, following Jesus doesn't just walk down an aisle to receive Jesus. It walks back to your seat with you. It goes home with you. It goes to work with you. It changes you, transforms you. It advances as you bring it to work with you. It gains momentum as you join with others who are also advancing. It produces fruit inside of you of God's love, and it produces fruit outside of you of loving others. It gives all. It costs all, and when it's lived out, it changes all. Being a disciple is far greater, far grander, far riskier than membership and deciding. Religion leads to conforming outwardly while following Jesus results in transforming inwardly. And that's a lot of where last week's sermon was about your resolutions and who you want to be at the end of the year. In order when you transform in the deepest part of who you are in your spirit, in your heart, in the inner core, here's what it looks like. When you follow Jesus into glorious transformation in his, of his spirit, you are changed, which means when you are changed, you view your spouse differently, more as the Bible speaks to biblically how to view your spouse, how to love your spouse, how to honor your spouse, which means your marriage changes because you have been transformed. It changes how you respond and lead your children. Did you know that God has divine wisdom for how you lead your children? Don't parent on autopilot. Your child was given to you. Each one is specifically has a need and a spirit and a heart and a, and, a, and a character from God. God has wisdom for each one of them and he gives you the wisdom if you will pause and ask. So how you are transformed changes how you respond to your children and lead them, which means their lives change, their legacies, their destiny.
destiny changes. It changes how we, was, how, when we were transformed by God, it changes how we speak and act at work, which means our workplace and environment changes. It changes how we respond to people we don't like, which means our relationships, even in those places, change. It changes how we view our sin and how we view our holiness, which means it begins to transform those battles and struggles we have within us. It changes how we engage in church here in this room and our community groups and other believers, which means our church fundamentally changes. Your community group changes. It changes how, how the people of God live and love and act and speak, which means our families, our homes, our schools, our recreation, our communities, our region can change because transformed people are bringing transformation with them into every relationship and environment. So I don't, we, we don't need a membership. We don't need decided. We want to be transformed disciples, becoming more like our Savior who showed us in his word what it looks like to live and love and act and speak on this earth. Transformed people have the power to transform environments everywhere they go. Live, work, recreation. Jesus did not die and raise again from the grave so that we could be more religious. Jesus did not die and raise again so that we could be more political, more spiritual. I know. He did that so we could be more like him. Jesus did not die and raise from the grave so we could simply go to heaven someday. What Jesus did was far greater and far more glorious than any of those things. You see, when you place your faith in Jesus and he, and he saves you, we say that. But, but what is he saving What's he saving us from and, and for? Here's the truth of salvation. You were not merely saved from something. You were saved for something. You're not merely saved from sin and hell for eternity. You're saved for your life now for God to transform you and work through you to transform the world around you. You are saved for something. That's why he says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. It's now. He wants to transform your life for something. Following Jesus is far greater than we can ever imagine. We have reduced it down to something small, but the truth is I am running to God. I am running to Jesus' salvation because he is so good. His ways are good. His calling for my life is good. And the story that God wove throughout the Bible and the shocking reality of Jesus coming into our world to save us is the greatest story ever because of the implications that it means for us now, here, and someday. You are saved by God for God. You are saved to Jesus to go and live for Jesus. You are offered this calling. He calls all people who follow him, who say they believe in him, to follow him. But he leaves it up to you. He's not going to force you to follow him. He's going to call you to step out in faith, to step out of the certainty we created in our Christianity where it's safe, with a safe place, and to step out and to speak, act, and give in a way that is risky. Listen to the ancients talk about this. King Solomon says in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. 
Don't depend on your own understanding. Like, that, that is where the certainty comes in. When I get my understanding around things and I have it all kind of figured out where I'm going, where I'm heading, where I want to go, how things are, don't trust on my own understanding. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Seek his will. Seek his plan for your life and all you do and he will show you which path to take. The other option there is you might think that in your own understanding, I should take this path this year. This is who I should be working to become. But God might show you something completely different. Trust in Jesus. Step out in faith. Follow him. He'll show you the path. So let me ask you, do you, do you know Jesus, first of all? Do you truly know him in his character? Do you know him from how he's revealed himself in the word of God? This is why it's important to be in the word, to know Jesus, to know God's nature. Do you know the feeling? Do you know, do you know that feeling in your gut, in your soul, in your spirit? It's indescribable. Like I would say to my son, you know in your knower, you feel in that place. Do you know that feeling when the Holy Spirit prompts you to go speak to somebody, to go give something, to stop your car and turn around and go check on them, to go do whatever it would be, to invite somebody? Do you know that little prompt of the Holy Spirit? That is that sacred prompt. When you feel that, that is the moment. That's the area.